Section 22 of A Year with the Saints, translated by member of the Order of Mercy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. 16. It is worthwhile to reflect that God, who has commanded us to love our neighbor, has also prescribed the manner in which we are to love him, that is, as ourselves. This is the rule which cannot be transgressed without fault, and it is so essential that unless our love comes up to this measure, it is not sufficient. St. Wenceslas spent a great part of his wealth in purchasing the children of heathen parents, whom he afterwards caused to be brought up in the Catholic faith. 17. Fraternal charity is the sign of predestination. It makes us known as the true disciples of Christ, for it was this divine virtue that moved him to live a life of poverty and to die in destitution upon the cross. Therefore, when we find opportunities of suffering for charity, we ought to bless God for them. St. Vincent de Paul St. Euphrasia, a nun in the Thebald, was so full of charity that she spent whole weeks without taking food, on account of her excessive occupation in the service of others, and because she devoted to prayer any little time she had left. It was noticed that for a whole year she never sat down, and her active kindness made her dear and lovely in the eyes of the whole convent so that she seemed to them not an earthly creature, but an angel incarnate. Finally, God revealed to the abbess that he should soon take Euphrasia from her. When this came to the ears of one of the saint's companions, she wept day and night, and Euphrasia, discovering the cause, was herself grieved at the prospect of losing the opportunity of serving God and her neighbor. Eulogius, a very learned man, resolved to abandon study and give himself entirely to the divine service. He first distributed the greater part of his property among the poor, but not knowing what kind of life to choose, in which he might best please God, he went into the public square, and there found a leper without hands or feet. Touched with a lively compassion, he made a sort of compact with God that he would take care of this man and support him till death, in the certain hope of obtaining mercy from the Lord. He took him then to his house, and took care of him with his own hands for fifteen years. At the end of this time, the man, instigated by the devil, began to insult Eulogius, saying that he must have committed many thefts and rascalities, and so made use of him as a means of expiating his sins, but that he did not wish to stay with him any longer, and desired to be carried back to the square, for he was tired of a vegetable diet and wished for meat. Eulogius brought him some meat and tried to quiet him, but he would not be pacified, saying that he liked to see plenty of people and nothing would suit him but to be carried back to the square. Eulogius, not knowing what to do, took him by ship to see St. Anthony, who first reproved them both, and then said that God had visited them with this temptation, because they were near the end of their days. Therefore they must be patient for a little while and not separate, for the Lord had permitted this trial, that they might receive a greater reward. They returned home, and at the end of forty days Eulogius died first and then his patient. 18. God loves our neighbors so much that he gave his life for them, and he is glad even to have us leave him to do them good. How grateful to him, then, may we believe the services we render them. Ah, if we understood well how important is this virtue of a love of our neighbor. We should give ourselves entirely to the pursuit of it. St. Teresa St. Vincent de Paul showed how fully he was persuaded of this truth, 
for he took this practice so much to heart that he seemed to have nothing else to do and it may be truly said that there was never a miser who took so much advantage of opportunities to preserve and increase his wealth as he to do good to his neighbors this charity too had neither restriction nor limitation but extended to all times and places and to all persons capable of enjoying its effects one morning before communion st gertrude was grieving that the lateness of the priest prevented her from confessing some slight faults when the lord comforted her by a sight of her own soul decked with rich and resplendent jewels and said to her why are you sad about this when you are adorned with a mantle of charity which you know covers a multitude of sins moses asked to be blotted out of the book of life if so he might obtain from the lord the pardon of his brothers st paul was ready to be an anathema and st paulinus even became a slave in place of another Nineteen. Oh, how great must be the love that the son of god bears to the poor for he chose the state of poverty he wished to be called the teacher of the poor and counts most especially as done to himself whatever is done for his poor st vincent de paul though this saint loved all men yet it may be said that he loved the poor above all he bore them all in his heart he had more than a father's love for them so that this most tender affection gave rise in him to a keen sympathy with their miseries and a constant effort to relieve them when he met with any case of want his heart was immediately filled with compassion and without waiting to be entreated he thought of some method of relief so that his chief care seemed to be to help the needy and assist the poor he showed this while talking one day about the bad weather which threatened to cause great scarcity of food ah he exclaimed with a sigh how anxious i feel not so much for my congregation as for the poor we will go out and ask food for our houses or serve as vice curates in the parishes but what will the poor do where can they go i say with truth that this is my greatest affliction and trial the same may be said of st francis de sales with the addition that he showed a positive preference for the poor over the rich in both temporal and spiritual things for he looked upon them, as he said, as people abandoned by the Lord to our care. Many other saints were remarkable for their tenderness to the poor. Sister Maria Crucifixa often told her abbess that if it should ever be necessary to refuse alms to the poor, she would contrive not to be present, as she could not bear it. St. Margaret, a Dominican nun, put so much refinement, delicacy, and courtesy into her acts of charity that the expression, this is not a leaf from sister margaret's book became a proverb to characterize anything that was not well arranged st hedwig queen of poland served the poor on her knees and washed their feet st stephen king of hungary and others did the same twenty we should love the poor with peculiar affection beholding in them the very person of christ and showing them the same consideration that he did st vincent de paul the venerable monsignor de palifax after he was a bishop gave a dinner every thursday to twelve poor men and was present at it himself but one day reading the life of st martin he found that that saint gave food to the poor with his own hands and washed their feet he decided to do the same and carried out his plan inflexibly on every wednesday and saturday distributing to all who came the contents of two large pots and doing this with his own hands 
remaining, in the meantime, on his knees, and with his head uncovered. At the close of the distribution, he washed the feet of the poor, and he did all this with the same pleasure and earnestness that he would have felt in doing it to Jesus Christ visibly present. This produced in his heart a great respect for the poor, for he thought every time he met a poor man that he beheld God himself. 21. To visit and relieve the sick cannot fail to be a thing very pleasing to God, since he has so greatly commended it. But to do it with the greatest ease and merit, we must regard the sufferer not simply as a man, but as Christ himself, who testifies that he receives in his own person all such service. St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi showed wonderful charity towards all the sick. She visited them every day, and in severe cases many times a day, remaining as long as necessary, and serving them in all their needs, for which she provided herself, or through the superioress or others in charge. By first tasting it herself, she sometimes encouraged them to take food. She bathed them, arranged their beds, and swept their rooms, performing the humblest offices of her own accord. She read spiritual books to them, exhorted them to patience, or gave them consolation, and did everything with so much affection and cheerfulness that she was of the greatest assistance. This charity was universal, free from self-interest, prompted solely by the love of God, regarding the sick now as temples of the Holy Ghost, now as sisters of the angels, and herself always as serving God alone. When medicine was to be given at inconvenient hours, she offered to help the infirmarian. When any required unusual care, she took the whole charge of serving them. She did this in the case of a blind consumptive, of a leper, and of one who had a frightful ulcer, to which she more than once applied her lips. She waited on them all, with as much attention as if she had been their servant, bathing them, washing their clothes, and performing all other services through the whole course of their illness, which, in the case of the consumptive, lasted for a year. When the sick were near their end, she remained with them all night, without lying down, sometimes staying beside them for fifteen days and nights in succession, now praying for them, now encouraging them with so much feeling and charity, that she gave them the greatest comfort, and so all the dying wished to have her present at their passage from this world. St. John Birchman's bestowed similar care upon the sick, in whatever house he was living. He visited them many times a day, and consoled them with spiritual conversation. In summer, he brought them cold water from the fountain, at the hottest part of the day, to moisten their lips and hands. However numerous they might be, he went to see them all every day, and spent most time with those who required the most aid, or received the fewest visits. From the rooms where he found many gathered, he quickly hastened to go to those who were alone. He always told some anecdote of the Blessed Virgin to the sick lay brothers, who watched eagerly for the hour of his visit, and if anything had hindered him, they asked the father in charge to send him later. So much were they consoled by his presence. When he was not able to visit any brother, he did not fail to inquire of the infirmarian in regard to him. St. Felix the Capuchin showed no less piety for the sick of his order. At his return to the convent, when he had been out to solicit alms, he went around distributing among them any little delicacies and refreshments he had obtained, consoling them at the same time with amiable words, and showing his readiness to render them whatever service they required. Many, too, even persons of high rank, have had a vocation for visiting and serving hospitals. St. Stephen, King of Hungary, went to them by night, alone and in disguise. 
St. Louis, King of France, served the inmates on his knees and with uncovered head, looking upon them as members of Christ, and united with him upon the cross, and so with many others. When St. John Galberto was abbot, he was so rigorous in regard to the observance of the rule that he had no mercy on the sick, but desired them to keep it like the well. But this was not pleasing to the Lord, so he permitted him to fall grievously ill, and learn from his own experience how to compassionate sufferers. 22. To have that love for our neighbor which is commanded by the Lord, we must entertain good and amiable feelings towards him, especially when he is disagreeable and annoying to us on account of any defect, natural or moral, for then we find nothing in him to love except in God. The maxim of the saints was that in performing works of charity and kindness, we ought to consider not the person who receives them, but him for whose sake they are done. Nor let us be discouraged if we sometimes feel repugnance, for an ounce of this solid and reasonable love is of much greater value than any amount of that tender and sensitive love which we share with the animals, and which often deceives and betrays our reason. St. Francis de Sales St. Jane Francis de Chantal possessed this love in abundance, for as we read in her life, she never lost an opportunity of showing it for any one, whatever faults and deficiencies she might observe in him. She often exhorted her sisters to do the same, saying to them, We ought to bear with our neighbors, miserable and ill-conditioned, though they may be, even in their follies and trivialities, supporting their tediousness and those little vexations, which do not harm beyond wearying us. Their want of harmony, too, their weakness and thoughtlessness, occasioned by their deficient knowledge, and all those defects which only regard the person who suffers from them. It is certainly necessary to suffer something, and if our neighbor had no defects and gave us no trouble, how could we have occasion to bear with him? Having heard that one of her religious found it very difficult to bear with the imperfections of another, she wrote thus to her, My daughter, often consider how it is said in the gospel that Jesus Christ loved us and washed us in his blood, and observe that he did not wait to love us until after we were washed from our impurities. But he loved us when we were vile and impure creatures, and then washed us. Let us, then, love this dear neighbor of ours without examination, though he be poor and ill-conditioned, and whatever he may be. And if it were possible to wash away his imperfections with our blood, we should desire to give even the last drop of it for this purpose. The Venerable Sister Maria Crucifixa loved all her neighbors, but she showed special kindness for those who were of an unhappy disposition, or who exhibited any dislike to her. Once she was much obliged by a person in minor orders, who, as she afterwards heard, could not receive ordination, because he had not sufficient fortune. She therefore prevailed upon his mother, who was a duchess, to make a settlement of this requisite amount of property upon him. 23. Let us beware of complaints, resentments, and evil speaking against those who are ill-disposed to us, discontented with us, or hostile to our plans and arrangements or who even persecute us with injuries, insults, and calumnies. Rather, let us go on treating them as cordially as at first, or more so, as far as possible, showing them esteem, always speaking well of them, doing them good, serving them on occasion, even to the point of taking shame and disgrace upon ourselves, if necessary to save their honor. All this ought to be done first, to overcome evil with good, according to the teaching of the apostles, and secondly, because they are our allies rather than our adversaries, as they aid us to destroy self-love, which is our greatest foe, 
and since it is they who give us an opportunity to gain merit, they ought to be considered our dearest friends. St. Vincent de Paul It was thus that he himself treated those who offended him. He not only pardoned them willingly and obtained pardon from the government for them when required, but compassionated them, excused them, showed for them the same esteem, affection, and respect, as if nothing had happened, and did them all the good that was in his power. Still more, as he was very sensitive regarding fraternal charity, he took care to extirpate from their hearts the root of rancor, and to gain their affection by exonerating them, humbling himself, and bending to them so much that they were obliged to yield to his humility and charity. He was never heard to complain of any one, whatever offence he had given, and still less to blame or accuse any one, so long as his own interests were the only ones involved. One day a missionary of his congregation told him that some people, moved, as he thought, by envy, were putting obstacles in the way of the ordination of some new priests. Yes, he answered, this function frequently excites emulation and envy, but those who are now in opposition may have a good and upright motive, so we ought to preserve all our esteem and respect for them, and believe with them that we are unworthy of such a charge, and that others would execute it better than we. Let us profit by this sentiment, and give ourselves to God, in truth, to serve him faithfully. St. Francis de Sales was once talking with an intimate friend, who said that, in his opinion, one of the most difficult precepts of Christianity was that of love towards enemies. For my part, says St. Francis, I do not know what my heart is made of, or whether God has been graciously pleased to give me one quite peculiar, for I do not find the fulfillment of this precept in the least difficult. On the contrary, I experience so much pleasure in it, that if God had forbidden me to love my neighbors, I should have the greatest difficulty in obeying him. The following incident shows how truly he spoke. A lawyer of Annecy hated the holy prelate for no visible cause, and was constantly speaking ill of him, injuring and persecuting him, so that he even tore down one of his notices, which was fastened upon the church door, and scrawled a thousand disgraceful figures on his confessional. The saint, who knew all this, met him one day, and made him a friendly bow, and taking him by the hand with great politeness, he said whatever he thought most likely to make him change his course. But seeing that his words produced no effect, he added, I clearly perceive that you hate me, though I do not know why. But assure yourself that if you were to put out one of my eyes, I would look at you with the other as amicably as if you were my best friend. His heart, however, was not softened by this, nor by the efforts of his friends to lead him to reconsider his actions. On the contrary, after firing pistol shots at his windows, he, one day, fired at the bishop himself in the street, but by mistake wounded his vicar. For this act he was imprisoned by the senate, and notwithstanding the interposition of the saint, he was condemned to death. But the holy bishop, having obtained a reprieve, used his influence with the king so successfully as to obtain his pardon. He went himself to the prison to bring the good news, and to entreat him to abandon a hostility for which he had no just cause. Finding him hardened as ever, and ready with calumnies and insults, he knelt and asked his pardon. Finally, perceiving that nothing would move him, he left by his side the pardon he had obtained for him, and took leave, saying, I have rescued you from the hands of man's justice, and you are not converted. You will fall under the justice of God, from which you cannot escape. 
This soon happened, for, a little while after, his life came to an unhappy end. In the lives of the fathers we read of a monk who, when he knew that another was speaking ill of him, was much pleased, and often visited him when such a one was in the neighborhood, and sent him presents when at a distance. There was also another, who always showed the greatest love to anyone who insulted him, saying to those who were astonished at it, Those who insult us give us the means of perfecting ourselves, and those who praise and honor us put stumbling blocks before our feet, and give us subjects of pride. An old monk, too, is mentioned, whose cell was often entered secretly by another monk, who robbed him of anything good that he had, particularly in the way of food. This the good old man noticed in silence, and worked harder than before, and ate less, saying to himself, This poor brother must be in want. When the holy man lay on his deathbed, surrounded by the monks, he saw among them the robber, and begging him to approach, he clasped his hands and kissed them, saying, Dear hands, how much am I obliged to you? I thank you with all possible earnestness, for by your means I am now going to paradise. St. Teresa was accustomed to redouble her charity towards those who offended her. St. Francis Borgia used to call those who brought upon him any mortification or trial his assistants and friends. A certain good nun, whenever she received an injury from any one, always hastened to the Most Holy Sacrament and made an offering of it, saying, O Lord, for love of thee I pardon her who has done me this wrong. Mayest thou pardon her for love of me. One of her nuns once told St. Jane Francis de Chantal that another sister had revealed some of her faults, but she had resolved, for the love of God, not to do the same to her in return. The good mother embraced her tenderly, saying, May it please my God that this resolution shall never pass away from your mind. I should consider myself most happy if I could find it in the hearts of all our sisters. 24. Let us endeavor to show ourselves full of compassion towards the faulty and the sinful. If we do not show compassion and charity to these, we do not deserve to have God show it towards us. St. Vincent de Paul This saint was never astonished at any fault that he saw committed, for he said that to commit faults was the characteristic of man, as he was conceived and born in sin. This acquaintance that he had with the common miseries of man was what made him behave with so much sweetness and compassion to all sinners. He avoided harshness and used only mild and compassionate words and ways, even with the most guilty, endeavoring to conceal and make little account of their faults with a marvelous prudence and charity, and desiring to have his missionaries follow the same course. When St. John Birchman's had charge of the novitiate, if the father rector ordered him to impose a penance upon any novice, he felt such great compassion that he would kneel and ask the favor of performing it in his place. But when this was not granted, he imposed it with such suavity that no one ever showed any hesitation about accepting it. St. Francis once said to the blessed Catanius, his general, By this I shall know whether you love God and me, his and your servant, that is, by your showing mercy to delinquents. When you find one, do not let him go without his feeling the effect of your kindness, and if you see him fall a thousand times, love him always more than myself, that you may attract him to good, and never fail to be merciful to all such. St. Francis de Sales had a heart so tender towards evildoers that he often said, There is no one but God and myself who truly loves wicked men. He gave proof of extraordinary charity towards them by ascribing their misdeeds to human frailty. 
25. Among all those who are included under the title of neighbor, there are none who deserve it more, in one sense, than those of our own household. They are nearest of all to us, living under the same roof and eating the same bread. Therefore, they ought to be one of the principal objects of our love, and we should practice in regard to them all the acts of a true charity, which ought to be founded not upon flesh and blood, or upon their good qualities, but altogether upon God. St. Francis de Sales St. Vincent de Paul bore great love to all the members of his congregation. He showed esteem and veneration for all, and welcomed them all with such tokens of affection that each felt sure of being tenderly loved by him. He provided for their needs with great solicitude, for he could not bear to see any of them suffer. He was often seen to rise from the table to set aside dishes for the lay brothers who came after the rest, and if it happened that the cook had nothing for any one, or delayed in serving him, he would give him his own portion and constrain him to take it. He was most attentive in providing relief and comfort for the sick, often going himself to inquire into their condition and their needs. He advised the infirmarians to take all possible care of them, and the superiors of houses to spare no fatigue or expense in providing for them. He tried to soothe their sufferings by special marks of love and attention, and offered his prayers to God on their behalf. If he perceived that any one of them had a particular desire to speak to him, he left everything to listen to him, and gave him all the time he needed. When he belonged to the king's council, the importance of the business there, transacted, prevented him from leaving it in the midst to go to them, so that he deferred this work of charity until the evening, after the general examine, and denied himself the necessary repose that he might not deprive them of this satisfaction. When he saw that anyone was troubled by interior trials or temptations, he made every effort to free or else to relieve him, and if anyone seemed hardened, he did his best to win him by gentleness and mildness, sometimes even throwing himself at the feet of such, and begging them not to yield to their besetting sin. Prostrating himself once before one who was unwilling to yield, he said to him, I will not rise from this spot till you have granted what I am asking for your good nor am I willing that the devil should have more influence with you than myself. St. Jane Francis de Chantal had great charity towards all her neighbors. Greater, however, more intense and more tender was that which she bore to her religious, and she strove to have them feel the same towards one another. In an exhortation which she made one day to lead them to this, she said, Observe that when Jesus Christ gave the commandment of fraternal charity to his apostles, he did not speak in the same way of the love which they were to bear to all men, and of that which they were to bear to one another. Speaking of the former, he said, Love your neighbors as yourself, but of the latter, Love one another as I have loved you, and as my Father loves me. Now the love with which Jesus Christ has loved us, and, still more, that love with which his divine Father loves him, is a disinterested love, a love of equality, a love of inseparable union. Therefore, you ought to love one another with this love, to fulfill to perfection the divine commandment. She herself loved her daughters in this way, with a disinterested love, which had no advantage or pleasure of her own for its aim, with a love of equality, which made her equally affable and kind to all, accommodating herself to the feelings, desires, and inclinations of each, and making herself all things to all, with admirable condescension, as far as she lawfully could. And finally, with a love of inseparable union, for no defect, imperfection, or bad quality of theirs, 
could remove them a hair's breadth from her loving heart. 26. God sometimes gives a certain union of heart and tender love for our neighbor, which is one of the greatest and most excellent gifts that his divine bounty bestows on man. St. Francis de Sales The saint himself had received this beautiful gift. One day, conversing with a confidential friend, he spoke thus, I think there is not a soul in the world that loves more cordially, more tenderly, or, so to speak, more amorously than I, for so it has pleased God to form my heart. St. Ambrose relates how this love was shown by a holy contention which took place between St. Theodora the Virgin and a soldier. The saint was put in the position of great danger on account of her faith in Christ, when the soldier came to her and begged her to change clothes with him, that she might escape and save her honor. This she did, but when the Holy Virgin saw her preserver led to martyrdom, she could not endure the thought that her rescue should cost him his life, and publicly exclaimed that it was she who had been condemned, not the one in custody, who was in reality not a woman but a man. The soldier, on the contrary, asserted that the judge had not condemned her to death. This friendly struggle to save each other from death ended in both receiving the grace of martyrdom. 27. It is not enough to have love for our neighbor. We should notice of what sort it is and whether it is true. If we love our neighbor because he does us good, that is because he loves us and brings us some advantage, honor, or pleasure. This is what we call a love of complacency and is common to us with the animals. If we love him for any good that we see in him, that is, on account of beauty, style, amiability, or attractiveness, this is love of friendship, which we share with the heathens. Therefore, either of these is a true love, and they are of no merit. Because purely natural and of short duration, being founded upon motives which often cease to exist. In fact, if we love anyone because he is virtuous or handsome, or our friend, what will become of this love if he should cease to be virtuous or handsome, or to love not, or still worse, if he should become our enemy? When the foundation upon which our love rested sinks, how can it support itself? The true love which alone is meritorious and lasting is that which arises from the charity which leads us to love our neighbor in God and for God, that is, because it pleases God, or because he is dear to God, or because God dwells in him, or that it may be so. There is, however, no harm in loving him also for any honorable reason, provided that we love him more for God's sake than for any other cause. Yet the less mixture our love has of other motives, the purer and more perfect it will be. Nor does this hinder us from loving some, such as our parents and benefactors, or the virtuous more than others, when such preference does not arrive from the greater good they do to us, but from the greater resemblance they have to God, or because God wills it. Oh, how rare is a love of this sort, which deserves to be called true love. Nolite amore secundum common, sed secundum spiritum sanctum. Love not according to the flesh, but according to the Holy Spirit. St. Francis de Sales For this reason he entertained great love and universal respect for all his neighbors, because he saw God in them, and them in God and this made him very exact in all the duties of courtesy, in which he was never known to fail towards any one. He felt, indeed, great tenderness for his friends, but because he loved them with relation to God, he was always ready to deprive himself of them. Writing to the superioress of a convent, he gave her this warning. 
hold the balance evenly among your daughters that their natural gifts may not cause you to divide your affection and your good offices unjustly how many persons are there exteriorly polished who are very pleasing in the eyes of god beauty grace agreeable conversation and manners suit the taste of those who still live according to their inclinations charity regards true virtues and beauty of soul and diffuses itself over all without partiality st vincent de paul made it one of his chief practices to regard god alone in all men and to honour in them the divine perfections and from this most pure sentiment there sprang up in his heart a respectful love for all and especially for ecclesiastics in whom he most clearly recognized the image of the power and holiness of the creator therefore he charged his missionaries to love and honour them all and never to say anything but good of them especially in preaching to the people he provided for their needs with particular care as he was unwilling to see the dignity of the priesthood lowered in their persons among the acts of charity which st mary magdalene de Pazzi resolved to perform was this that she would reverence and love creatures only because god loves them and that she would rejoice in the love he bears them and the perfections he communicates to them at the point of death she said that though she had borne great love to all her sisters she had loved them only in fulfilment of the precepts of love left us by jesus christ and because he had loved them so much and that outside of this she had never had the slightest attachment to any creature twenty eight ah when shall we see ourselves steeped in sweetness and suavity towards our neighbours when shall we see their souls in the sacred bosom of jesus whoever looks upon his neighbour in any other position runs a risk of loving him neither purely nor perseveringly nor impartially but in such a place who would not love him who would not bear with him who would not be patient with his imperfections who would consider him an object of dislike now our neighbour is truly there in the bosom and within the heart of the divine saviour he is there as one most beloved and altogether amiable so that the loving lord dies from pure love of him st francis de sales this was the principal reason why this holy prelate was so mild so tender so respectful so patient to every one because he saw them all in the heart of jesus he manifested this one day when monsignor de Bellier, his penitent complained to him of the great respect he showed him what respect he answered do you show jesus christ whom i honour in your person it was one of the chief maxims of st vincent de paul not to regard his neighbour according to exterior appearance but as he was in the sight of god i must not regard he said a poor peasant or country girl as to their exterior or their natural gifts for often one can hardly recognize in them any resemblance to a rational creature, so rude and earthly are they. But when we look upon them with the eye of faith, we shall find them so deeply graven on the heart of the Son of God, that he even gave his life for each of them. How desirable it is to view our neighbor in God himself, that we may make the account of him which Christ our Lord made. 29 when raguel saw the young tobias without knowing him he exclaimed oh how much this young man resembles my cousin and when he heard that he was the son of that cousin he embraced him warmly and gave him a thousand benedictions weeping over him for love now why was this not certainly on account of his good qualities for he did not yet know what his disposition was but because as he said thou art the son of an excellent man and resemblest him greatly see what love does when it is true if we love god truly we should do as much for all our neighbours 
who are all sons of God and resemble him much. St. Francis de Sales This reflection made the saint show great respect to all. One day someone criticized him for showing too much honor to the servant of a nobleman who had brought him a message. I do not know how to make these distinctions, he answered. All men bear the image and likeness of God, and that furnishes me with a sufficient motive for respecting them. When he met persons or even animals heavily loaded, he stood aside that they might pass more easily, and never permitted his servants to make them stop or go back, saying, Are they not men like we, and do they not at this moment deserve more consideration than we? St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi often looked upon the image of God as seen in her sisters, which excited in her heart great love for them, and when any one of them seemed to her imperfect and unworthy, she thought perhaps she had some hidden gift which caused God to find pleasure in her. A holy religious once wrote this resolution, I will love God for himself, and for love of him I will serve those who bear his image. I will give my heart to him, and my hands to my neighbor, that he may be united to God. The Venerable Maria Serafina de Dio said of herself that she consoled herself under trials and associating with her neighbors by the thought that she was beholding in them the image of God, and that therefore she could not do less than treat them with benevolence and cordiality. When Theodosius was extremely provoked and resolved to punish severely the inhabitants of Antioch, who had insulted the statue he had raised to Flacilla, whom he had greatly loved for her rare virtues, St. Macedonius begged one of his courtiers to say these words to him in his name. O Emperor, truly you will be right in punishing these insolent men, but I pray you remember that they are the loving images of God, and if you dare to let loose your rage against the images of the Lord, you may draw down upon yourself his anger. For if ill-treatment to the image of your dear consort displeased you so much, how can you suppose that God will not be equally displeased with what you may inflict upon his images? so dear to him that to recast them he had not spared to shed all his blood. These words, uttered with great simplicity and reported to the emperor, did much to pacify him. 30. Among the means best fitted to acquire and preserve union and charity with God and our neighbor, none can be found better and more efficacious than holy humility, and abasing ourselves beneath all, esteeming ourselves the least, the worst, and lowest of all, and thinking evil of no one. For self-love and pride are what lead us to sustain our opinions against those of our neighbor, and thus cool the love we owe him. St. Vincent de Paul A Franciscan preacher once severely reproved in a sermon a vice of which a marquis present in the congregation was guilty. The latter went to the monk after the sermon, loaded him with insults, and ended by saying, Do you know me? Yes, replied the father, and I consider it a great honor to be acquainted with such a nobleman, for me, who am but a rustic by birth, and the humblest of men, adding other things in his own disparagement. The Marquis was pacified by this reply, and went away with tears in his eyes, and full of veneration for the priest. The abbot Multius removed to a cell in a place called Aradian, but being much troubled there by another monk, and fearing that there could be no harmony between them, he returned to his former abode. The monks of Aradian grieved much at his departure, and after a while went after him, taking with them the one with whom there had been difficulty. When they came near the abbot's cell, they took off their outer garments and left them in charge of this brother. Modoez, on seeing the monks, welcomed them kindly, and asked what had become of their cloaks. 
Hearing that they were near at hand, in the care of his former companion, he was much pleased, and instantly hastened out to meet him. Then, throwing himself at his feet, he asked his pardon, and embraced him, and took him to his cell with the rest. He kept them all for three days, and afterwards went back with them to Aradian. End of section 22